Hi, this is Amy Bowen. Welcome to Episode 3 of Movie Chat with the Movie Night Crew for Monday, October 10th, 2016. Welcome back to another Movie Chat with the Movie Night crew. This show now has its very own RSS feed and is hosted on my very own website. The two previous episodes are now in the custom RSS feed that's just for Movie Chat episodes. And I also made a master feed on my personal website that picks up all of the podcasts that I post on AmeliaBowen.com, but it's set to only display last ten episodes. So if you're subscribed to the master feed right now, you can see my movie chat episode number two, but not my episode number one. The separate feed just for movie chat will have all three episodes of movie chat with the movie night crew in it. Anyway, that was more technical detail than you probably wanted. We're back. It took me far longer than I had anticipated to get back on track with Movie Chat with the Movie Night crew, but I intend to start releasing every other Monday starting today. This episode will feature a fairly in-depth panel discussion of this summer's new movie, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, but before we get to that, I actually have listener feedback! I am so excited that I have listener feedback. During Dog Days of Podcasting, my fellow Dog Days of Podcasting challenge participant, Tabs, otherwise known as Tabitha Gray Chalice, recorded the following segment on her show, Fantabulous, and yes, I did get her permission to play it on my show. I was going to talk about all the things that people have been talking about, and then I realized I can't talk about all the things that people are talking about. I will say, Amy, I really enjoy this idea of doing three different podcasts in your feed. It's really fun. I um, I enjoy all of them. I am chagrined and dismayed that none of you had seen Casablanca, which is the one of the best movies in the world. My favorite all-time black and white movie is actually my favorite all-time movie, which is Harvey with Jimmy Stewart. So if you haven't watched that, your movie club should watch it. It's amazing. And... Um, it's not on the top of many people's lists, but I love the message of it, the the faith and innocence and childlikeness of the movie is just great, and it makes me happy every time I watch it. And I like that idea of a little bit of magic in the world. So that's my all-time favorite movie. Casablanca is my dad's favorite movie, so obviously I have seen it many, many times, and it does rank up there in my top movies of all time. When I heard that segment, I was in my car and I actually laughed out loud and clapped for a second when I heard that because we have watched Harvey a couple of times. We love it in our little movie night group. It's one of our friend Kara's favorite movies and I think it was... Uh, one of her relatives' favorite movies of all time as well, and I absolutely loved Harvey. It was definitely well worth watching more than once, and I 100% agree with you. I love the faith and innocence and, as you said, childlikeness, and I also love that idea that there should be a little bit of magic in the world. So, yes, 
Harvey's an absolutely great movie. Love it for the same reasons you do. And thank you so much for the kind words. I would also like to thank Ken Kennedy for his kind words about my podcast. On one of his episodes of Kenzoid's Autonomous Zone, during Dog Days of Podcasting, Thank you, I'm glad somebody else likes Movie Chat with the Movie Night crew. By the way, Kenzoid's Autonomous Zone is one of the Dog Days of Podcasting podcasts that I am still enjoying and have been enjoying since I started listening to the Master Feed this year. I agree, I do enjoy the Slice of Life shows, the shows where people talk about their day and what they've been doing that day. I like the themed ones too, but it really is cool to listen to, um just everyday things that people experience and their perspectives on them. I will release another Amy Talks About Stuff eventually. I do not have a set schedule for Amy Talks About Stuff the way I do for both Movie Chat and the Threadsafe podcast. Amy Talks About Stuff will come out whenever I feel like talking about stuff that doesn't fit into either of my other shows. Anyway, Movie Chat is going to continue in more or less the same format it has been for the last two episodes, although each episode will be a little different. Both of the two that I've released so far were both recorded at Stu's house. This will be the first one I've ever released that was recorded at Jared's, so it now has a completely different group of people, except for me, who weren't on the previous two episodes, I believe. And we also have a much longer, much more in-depth, and much nerdier discussion about the movie. So I'm trying something a little bit different with this episode. I hope people enjoy it. Without further ado, here is our panel discussion of Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. Hello again, this is Amy Bowen. Welcome to Movie Chat with the Movie Night crew. Return to... Uh, the Dragon's Nest, a.k.a. Jared's house. We have a few... Uh, we have a really good group of people this time. We have six people. Myself. No, we don't. Anastasia's gonna be hitting the sack, so... Okay. But Gizmo, Gizmo's here. Does he count? <laughs> yeah, sure. We have six people and one cat, and we're going to be down five... Pe down one person by the end of the night, certainly. What's our feature tonight, Jared? Tonight is Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition. Because it's got the extra half hour and I've never seen it being a long movie, I think it's it's good to just do one, though I've heard it has no humor, so we may do one or two YouTube videos afterwards just to get a laugh to get out of the oh god, that was so heavy mode. But that's what we have. I saved this for when I had you guys around. Cool. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Let's get rolling. So, we just finished Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and oh my gosh, that was really good. I, I you can tell, as we, as we were discussing during the movie, there were a lot of things that came before it, and now I kinda wish I'd seen them, although... I can keep up with one franchise at a time the, these days, uh, with my job and all the other things going on in my life. I already have pretty much given up on MCU until some future date in favor of Star Wars, but oh man, 
man, this was good, and I'm sure their its precedents must have been really good. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, a- Alan is shaking his head. Okay, no, they were not good. good. <laughs> no. This is what we would call a superhero monster mash. Yes. Yeah. Which is very fun to watch. Uh, there was a lot of Christ imagery going on there, like mm-hmm. you do. Mm-hmm. The full Pieta <laughs> near the end. I noticed. A lot of, a lot of Nietzschean imagery. Uh, man versus God, God is dead. Um, I actually saw this in theaters, and... I will say the extended cut adds a lot of context we really needed to see. The theatrical version of this was really, really bad. Oops! Oh crap! Oh, oh I'm no. sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Sorry. Paper towels right there. Oh, yeah. I was wondering where they were. Uh, okay. Drop them on there. I totally forgot that was there. For context on the audio, she actually <laughs> tapped over the small can of soda, in which case, like a tablespoon came out. It's yeah. okay. So in in. The dry humor of Alfred was that in the theatrical yes, version? Yes, it was. So people lied to me saying that there was no humor. It was really dry though. Like it wasn't. I mean, I mean, I liked it. I liked the humor, but it wasn't a lot of it. And okay, for context, what happened was this little eyeball microphone, what's a thingy, got unplugged, and we have to review. Where were we at? What, Nietzschean imagery? Yeah, thank and you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Kim. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's where we were at, Nietzschean imagery. And humor. And the right. humor, dry humor. Which and some of us who grew up on MASH and, you know, Monty Python, dry humor is very valid humor. Like a martini. Don't, don't <laughs> get me wrong, uh, Jeremy Irons is, was a delight, but... Unless he's in Dungeons and Dragons. Right. But the methodical <laughs> version of the movie, there was just... There was so much gloom and so little context to it yeah. That uh, Jeremy Irons really didn't help that much. He was a delight, yeah, but it really it, it didn't cut the gloom and the uh, the the sheer melodrama of both Batman and Superman. Seriously, admittedly, a lot of the humor came from us seeing situations and making comments. <laughs> I'm talking about yeah. the importance of communication in the entire film. The what? And the importance of communication. Yes, and I yeah. agree. That's Superman the, and yeah. Lo- Clark and Lois have no communication. No, they don't whatsoever. Every time, every time uh, Clark could have communicated, he instead moped. Every time Batman could have communicated, Martha! (laughs) There are some really trippy nightmares, and uh, Batman needs some therapy. Mm -hmm. If every one of those little nightmares was in the theatrical version, I would not be surprised if it was such a downer, because you don't know if the guy's having a vision, or if he's having a dream, or if it's actually happening. I mean, that one little bit where Mm -hmm. that red thing is saying, Martha, it's about... Uh, Lois, Lois, I'm like, that could be Red Flash. I don't know what's going on here. Do you know what's going on here? No, are we just tripping balls? Are we in Brazil? This is Brazil, isn't it? It's, Bra- it's freaking Brazil. <laughs> this was confusing in theaters. Yeah. This was just really gen- gentle over the place, and I was happy but a little bit dismayed to see all the context that the deleted scenes covered. Like, all, I gotta tell you guys, all the stuff that was extraneous, mopey, Really kind of dumb. That was all actually in the theatrical, theatrical release of the film. What kind of scenes were not in the theatrical version that added context? Uh, the extended scene of June. Of who? Uh, June. The senator. The senator. Oh. The lady. scene where uh, where uh, the African villager lady dies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was that was that was also cut. Um, I think a lot of it was filler, but there were a couple, good, there were a couple pretty good context scenes there, like like with her that. Uh, that would be nice to actually see in the theatrical film. So instead of 
adding context, therefore reason and logic to the film, they decided to make sure that they kept most of the action sequences to make it a draw for, you know, Monster Mash viewers. Exactly. Oh, I hate when they do that. Now... But at least there wasn't lens flare. I I, 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 I think this film still suffers from what it always suffered from. Trying to pack way too much into one film. Mm -hmm. What, you wanted them to Lord of the Rings it? Then you would no, have so many no, I wanted, about them, no. I wanted them to MCU it. It yeah. took the MCU six, seven films to get to Avengers, right? True. They want to do the Justice League in three or four. Yeah, they want to save money. I they mean, it's money. not... It, so, this film, this film is Superman 2, Batman 1, also, we're teasing the Justice League. In the middle of it, not at the end like the MCU did. That's what you Wonder Woman. Wait a minute. So there wasn't another new Batman movie be- between the Nolan no. ones and this one? No, there's there- not. Oh, oh my gosh. Affleck wants to produce one. Affleck wants to produce the solo Batman thing. That's coming. In a while. All that context they gave, all the allusions to the Joker and stuff, that's not actually on scene anywhere. That's not. Um, wow. Suicide Squad actually I'm is the amazed. first thing we see that provides context to the Batman. This Batman's exploits prior to this film. Wait, did yeah, you see obviously Suicide not. Squad? I did. And was there a scene of Batman on the roof spoiling Harley Quinn's date night? Uh, on but, the roof of the, on the roof of the Joker's car, but yes. yes. Okay, so Ben Affleck is in Suicide Squad. So that uh, is briefly. A bit of a- Okay, yeah, so it's briefly. a teeny tiny little bridge. Oh, and there cool. was nothing after... No, no post credit scene. See, oh, that's sad. The, the frustrating part is they try to put too much into this film. They Snyder stuffed too much into one film, and yep. then spent way more time on Batman's pathos and Superman moping than he actually did on anything effective. Like, he didn't, he didn't use tower, two hours efficiently. He hit two and a half hours. I still don't feel like he used two and a half hours efficiently. Then they cut thirty minutes of it for the theatrical release. Of course, but th- these are all, that's a rant that I've heard a lot on the on the internet. And I'm sure. You have. Of, so, for the podcasting audience, before we wrap up, what is what is the good takeaway that each of us can that each of us got from it that we didn't expect? Marcy, uh, come back to me. <laughs> all right, Kim. Uh, say the question again. What? Did you see in this that you didn't expect? I did not expect. I did not expect things to go so far without Batman and Superman. Actually thinking, hmm, am I being led somewhere? Maybe I should be smarter about this. Because from what I've seen of Batman, he's the brains behind Justice League. He knows when he's getting played, usually. And he would be able to figure this out, but he didn't. He was far more emotionally into this kind of conflict going on with him. And I'm hoping therapy will fix that (laughs) in later films. But usually he's far more... Uh, how do you say chaotic good rather than no chaotic or neutral good rather than lawful good because he is trying to see he's not above justice he's the hand of justice that doesn't always follow that letter of the law but yeah he's far more emotionally invested in this thing that's what makes chaos happen he doesn't follow what he's supposed to do he's just like I want to brand people oh I don't care if they're dying in prison I'm like dude usually that's something you go for and thankfully he didn't actually himself use a handgun <laughs> Because if you didn't hear the context during the movie, I was very upset when there were some scenes where Batman used a gun. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm against guns, if you're proper, yada, yada, yada. But in all the comic books I've seen, he never uses a gun because his parents were killed by a gun. Therefore, he that's never right. uses one. With the exception of the vehicle guns, you know. That's just cool. That's just, that's just smart thinking. With those. a lot of handguns by proxy. 
Well, yes, he did. When he's that. throwing them at someone, that's well. Yeah. But yeah, the thing I took from this I didn't expect was Batman being uh, yeah Batman being so emotionally invested into this conflict that it messed with his mind. I did not expect that so much. Alan, I'll be charitable. I mean, you guys haven't seen this film before. I have. So what I didn't expect going into this film the first time I saw it is there was so little actual fighting between Batman and Superman going on. The film had what? Five, ten, five, seven minutes of them fighting. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it really wasn't even for a good reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are many, many good reasons they have fought in the comics and they could have fought in the D- in in this in the DCU movie universe. And Snyder shows absolutely none of them, and then didn't actually show us a really interesting or lengthy fight. Well, he did dangle Martha. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Marcy. Um, so, I have been off the internet for quite some time. You have just much. <laughs> very vague, you know, vague idea of what this film was even about. Yeah. I did not see the first Superman movie, and I've Same never seen here. this before. It's another Same Messiah here. thing, but it, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's better finish. Actually, that was something I was going to ask you, since you seem to know more about comics than me, is... Is there so much extreme, like, we're talking Aslan-level allegory with Superman and, mm-hmm. you know, the death of Superman? It comes and goes. Yeah, with this one, the imagery was a little bit darker, more like the dark Renaissance Caravaggio-type mm-hmm. <laughs> painting things, rather than the whole, you know, Michelangelo painting. Uh, in previous versions, there have always been a bit of messiah complex and things, because that's the way the U.S. has adopted him, especially even though he was created by a couple of Jewish immigrant children. But the messiah com- messiah imagery was available in back. Uh, sorry, in Superman Returns, starring um, oh, what's his name, Brendan Routh. Brendan Routh. It was in Man of Steel a little bit. Uh, Walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There was a bit of a scene where uh, Superman is starting to drown in a field of skulls. And the slight imagery in that one, but I think it's a little more powerful here because there's an actual death. Yeah. Mm. And we're just waiting for Easter now. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, Easter eggs in the film, that was kind of interesting. A little, a little bit horrifying, that little cyborg guy. I'm like, ah, there's a live torso! But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, who... Could you please explain that guy to me? I, I looked at that and I thought, that's got to be something from one of the comics at some point, but I have no idea what's going on here. Remember Teen Titans? Yes. Remember the cyborg, cyborg guy? Oh, it probably isn't okay. in this one. Which means if Starfire shows up, I'm like, oh jeez, <laughs> this is gonna be interesting. Yeah, but okay. as you point, uh, uh, well, no, I won't say that because it's a spoiler. spoiler. Instead, I'll I'll just deflect with Batlet Batflick's ass. Oh, yeah, that, that was something we did not expect from this. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right, yeah. <laughs> I didn't actually get to pay attention to that. You should have. <laughs> first, there was an Alan Moore reference, and okay, where were we? Okay, things that surprised us. Batflex ass. That's really. <laughs> yeah, if I were keep it, if I were bothering to keep up notable totables, which is something I should really start again. Thank you very much, Nathan. Nathan, Nathan Shoemate. I'll put more in the show notes. That was a lot of fun. If I were bothering to keep up notable totables, that's one of the things I would be keeping up. Ooh, <laughs> another one was. Why doesn't he have a spotter? Well, Jason Bourne's around there somewhere. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the entire yep. montage scene of him working on, I'm like, we get it, you're strong. In the previous three films, the Christopher Nolan, he had 
a bunch of mechanical things in his suit to make him stronger because he broke his freaking body from doing stupid shit. Mm. Yep. In this one, no, he's just strong. I'm like, oh, good for you, man. Actually, in this one... I not have that. I mean, he's the man who has magic blue bat sonar when he becomes Daredevil. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, We're not going to talk about that. No, we can talk about whatever you guys want. (laughs) About five minutes from the end, we were able to confirm there were no nipples on the bat suit. (laughs) At least from what I saw. At least from what I saw. Not that I've... Uh, not that I always stare at nipples on suits, <laughs> since the only ones I remember are from George Clooney. Holy doing his metal Batman. And apparently, according to George Clooney in an interview somewhat afterwards, someone asked him, what is your thoughts on playing a Gary character? And he said, that was Batman for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh Did Schumacher actually put them on Kilmer before Clooney? Possibly. Yeah. 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 But that's the one where it's most noticeable. Kilmer had bad nips. <laughs> and that's why we look for them on every Batman now. I, I, I guess my takeaway from this particular cut, if anything, is that uh, although I feel in two and a half hours this wasn't a great film by any means, this was a significantly better film mm-hmm. with the director's cut. I, I think I know you, Jared, saw saw Suicide Squad. We haven't really discussed you thought of it yet, but I have a feeling that Suicide Squad is going to be a lot better once we get the director's cut too. Yeah. I mean, I, although I will say that I really hope that I really hope that not all the DCU universe movies are like this, where the theater the theater versions are just choppy messes, and the director's cuts where we actually get the good, the decent film. Which makes you wonder what causes the uh, theaters or production companies to have to make a director's cut. I mean, why would you make a film less good? Is time that much of a thing for you that you have to compress it down to I a think theater? It is. Well, for, yeah. for every extra half hour, that's less tickets they can sell because well, there's yeah. only so many hours in the day. Mm-hmm. But uh, it really makes me glad that I didn't see this in theaters. Ditto. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I haven't answered the question, and I, frankly, I shouldn't have been, but I was surprised they actually killed one of their central characters. For now. Yeah, for, for now, exactly. Yeah. 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 They're giving they're That's giving, what I'm thinking. But they, well, they have to give really Batfleck well a chance to lead. <laughs> we got to give Arnie Hammer a rest. <laughs> Even though we love seeing him. I I mean, I mean, this was um this was uh the uh, the conflation of two kind of seminal stories. Uh not killing joke. Kingdom Come. Yeah. Alan Moore's Kingdom Come was where most of this comes from. And uh, they kind of shoehorned in the Dev Superman in there. That's what I was suspecting was going on. Spoiler, in the comics, he does come back from the dead. I knew that already. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess that's what happens here. They really mm-hmm. shoehorned in the Doomsday Saga, the very uh, the very last half hour. Mm-hmm. But okay. that's what they're alluding to. Cool. Okay, yeah, I suspected as much. Thank you very much. And thank you all so much for coming up with such a fantastic and semi-quiet, because we're trying not to wake up someone who's sleeping, <laughs> discussion. Um, so that's why the, all the sound is so soft. I'm trying not to wake up a sleeping roommate. But thank you, thank you, thank you. This has been a ton of fun, and thank you for being here for Movie Chat with the Movie Night crew. That's a wrap for this episode of Movie Chat with the Movie Night crew. Your listener feedback is very, very welcome. You can find me on Twitter at Amy Bowen, A-M-Y-B-O-W-E-N. You can visit my website and find show notes for this episode at AmeliaBowen.com. 
You can comment on the website post there, or you can email your listener feedback and audio comments to amy at ameliabowen.com. The theme music for Movie Chat with the Movie Night crew is Look Busy by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. The beep transition was created by Chris Lester for his Metamore City podcast, and the whoosh transition was jetwoosh.wave by Ben Bonkin, which is available via freesound.org and is licensed under a Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.